Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bold, Beautiful, Borderline podcast. It's your host, Sarah and Lori, and we have a very special guest today. I can't wait for this episode. It's going to be so fun. I don't know that he thinks it's going to be that fun, but give us just a few minutes and we're going to win him over. Um, We have an episode you guys have all been asking for, which is we have Lori's fiance, Aaron, joining us on the podcast today. Um, And he's going to share a little bit about what the experience of being the partner of someone with borderline personality disorder is like. Um, So Aaron, welcome to the podcast. But I just have to first confess, when I finally meet Lori, I'm going to be bringing her a kitten. And I feel like you should just mentally prepare yourself now. She's been trying this for years. So I've got some time to figure out a plan before you before the borders open. We'll be fine. That's true. Unless I smuggle myself like through the back of a semi truck or something with a small cat. I don't know how that's going to happen. You can offer like free snuggles to the driver for like the potential illegal activity that's going on. Yeah. Sounds like app payment for smuggling. The great cat smuggler of 2021. They do also have kittens here. I don't know if you knew that, but anyways. Um, (laughs) So Aaron, I love you. You're my favorite. And I know that Aaron has never listened to this podcast. (laughs) So I feel like he's probably a little bit more nervous than he's letting off, but we're happy you're here. And just like before we start, I love and appreciate you so much. And you are the person that I never thought I deserved or would find. And just so you know, there's like nothing you can say here when we ask you questions that will make me mad at you (laughs) or like, or cause a problem because we really want the real answers. We get a lot of people asking us for this episode specifically, or for an episode about somebody who's romantically involved with somebody with borderline, because a lot of our listeners are kind of looking for that. Um, And so that's kind of what we're going for. So I don't even know where to start. Like, did you know what borderline was before you met me? No, I had no idea. I'd never heard of it. And at some point you were talking about it. So I Googled it and ended up on Wikipedia. I was like, yeah, this sounds like someone I want to date. Yeah, big mistake. (laughs) Um, Dude, literally. uh, No, yeah, I I had no context for it. And when I went on Wikipedia and looked up BPD, I was like, this, like, seems quite unreasonable. And I didn't really know you at the time, but just the Wikipedia entry for... BPD seems so what's the word like tragic yeah like degenerate kind of behavior for lack of a better term and that didn't look like you so I was like "Uh, I I'm gonna have to take this with a grain of salt Thank you for taking it with a grain of salt (laughs) much appreciated was that when we were so Aaron and I met in school we were in a tutorial together and it was actually a tutorial that I think that had it been any other tutorial or any other class, we wouldn't have ended up together because it was a restorative justice class. And it, we had every tutorial was stuff about like trauma, shame, like all of these things. And so is that where I said borderline the first time and where you Googled it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you were, you were talking about how you 
um, do presentations and speeches about borderline. And I was curious about that. So I Googled it and you. Because <laughs> you were obsessed with me from day one. I can't blame you. Oh my God, Aaron, did, do you have borderline? Like that's a borderline thing to be Googling people. I, I think I just like Googling people. <laughs> I I find entertainment in seeing what I can find about people. Yeah, like, let me just ask you this. Have you ever paid for Intel, though? Because, like, that is where it becomes borderline specific. <laughs> Once, and it was Shut with Lori. Shut the fuck up. You paid for I, information hold, hold for Lori? <laughs> it's, it's a little, we were... I can't get into the specifics of it, but we were curious about someone's criminal record. Oh, I see. I see. So you weren't paying for information to learn about Lori though. No, no, that would, that would be a little creepy. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Although the first time that very creepy. (laughs) (laughs) The first time that we actually interacted with each other, like one-on-one was I was getting coffee at our university and Aaron like came up to me and was like, hey, so I Googled you <laughs> and you seem really interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, he is that person, but that's just because I'm so awesome that like, how could you not want to Google me? I'm pretty sure. Literally. Okay. So I just pulled up the Wikipedia page for BPD and the first couple paragraphs is just like going into very clinical information which I could see how if a person has never been around people with mental illnesses or who openly talk about it, it would be very overwhelming because it goes right into, it's a personality disorder characterized by long-term pattern of unstable relationships, distorted sense of self, strong emotional reactions, blah, 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 yada, yada. Approximately 10% of people affected with the disorder die by suicide. It's highly stigmatized in both the media and the psychiatric field. So like, obviously you and I know that these things are just facts, but those words are very overwhelming to people that don't have clinical insight, right? I do think that, um, that... And also the Wikipedia page likely has changed by now, but... I think it has. I don't think that there was anything about how stigmatized it was. And I just went through it as well. And the impulsive behavior is just a small part of the symptoms currently. And when I looked it up, I think that was the bulk of the, of the article was about all of the different impulsive behaviors that people with BPD have. Yeah. I I remember like, it would say like, Oh, likely to get pregnant has like sex drug does drugs does crime like all of these things that I can see as like some girl you met in school in class you're just like uh, I don't think this is correct but um I mean some of them are little <laughs> but, did I know yeah <laughs> literally um okay well I'm glad that that didn't like turn you off of me fully um and I appreciate you for that and it should be noted that like Aaron and I didn't start dating until a year and a bit after that initial Google. So he had a lot of time to get to know me as a person before he started dating me. So, and this is really interesting to me, Aaron, did you witness Lori in moments of dysregulation or impulsivity or like, were you able to see symptoms presenting themselves in your friendship? Cause y'all were friends for a while before you started dating. 
So do you feel like you were really well informed about the potential for quote unquote chaos? I don't know how Lori feels about that word, but I can very clearly label my life as chaotic sometimes. So that word feels feels okay for me. Um, I don't think at the time I would, I was recognizing any symptoms, but that could just be an unfamiliarity with the symptoms. Um, whereas now I can tell when, or I guess most of the time, um, if Lori's having a stronger than usual emotional reaction to something. Whereas at the time, I, I think it probably happened a few times, but I just didn't really pick up that it was stronger than than another person might react to something. Um, and also I'm sure that there was to some extent that it was hidden a little bit. I'm not sure. It's a lot easier to hide those moments when you're friends and we weren't, I mean, I guess we were pretty close friends, but like we weren't, you weren't my number one friend or anything like that. And so I think it is easier to hide in that situation. Whereas like we live together, we've been together for four years and romantic relationships mess people up who have BPD. So you're like, you don't have a, like, there's no way you're not going to see them now. Right. Yeah. I I think that makes sense to me. I don't. And the, the other difference is that we're spending all of our time together now. Like if we were spending all of our time together, then um, then I guess it'd be more likely to have seen um, any behavior or things like that, that would be considered out of the ordinary. Um, also, you were probably just like pining over her for that entire year. So you were just like in Swoon City and had blinders on, right? That was probably it. Oh God, she's between so that and getting my ass kicked in Catan. Oh, do you do you guys play that game, Settlers of Catan, or whatever it is? Oh, do we play that game? I am the third best Catan player in my area, as opposed from a competition in what, like three years ago. We play that game. What? <laughs> we play that game all the. Oh my time. god! Do you have Dungeons and Dragons tournaments too? Like, what is going on? I don't know if that's a tournament thing. Aaron plays Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't think it's a tournament thing, is it? Oh my god! I Wouldn't didn't know I was like. Thing. I didn't know I was. I was in the. I well, I feel like I'm marrying into the family, so I'm just gonna use that term. I didn't know I was marrying into the biggest nerd family of all time, but I am so here for it. Yeah, Aaron's pretty nerdy. We'll get a game going when you come over. I feel like Catan isn't that nerdy, though. It's like the monopoly of today's board games where everyone knows how to play it. I've not played either of those games once in my whole life. And what does that say about me that nobody's ever invited me to play these games? Like, (laughs) that makes me kind of sad. Okay, so when you guys first started dating, and Lori is going to talk about this on the... BPD Dating Chronicles 2, so we don't have to get too much into it, but... So no spoilers. No spoilers, really, but I can just say I'm in the stage of dating someone 
we're, we're like two months into this thing and we're starting to spend a lot of time together and starting to feel attached or whatever. And my symptoms feel out of control right now. Um, Lori, did you feel like when you and Aaron started to like really realize y'all were attached that you struggled a lot? You can wipe that smile off your face, Aaron. No. (laughs) Um, Yes. Okay. One more question. Aaron, how many times did she try to break up with you? Um, I think at least two or three. Oh, that's nothing. Whatever. I feel like it's been for sure more than that, but two or three like serious ones, I feel like, because at the very beginning, there was at least two that I can think of. Um, Yeah, because like to me, Aaron is a very normal, lovely human being. And I only dated people that were shit. And like, I only dated people who had substance use issues or mental health issues because that's how I valued myself, right? I didn't think that I deserved like a super good human being, not that you can't be a super good human being and have substance use or mental health issues, obviously, but I didn't think that I deserved to have somebody that was like going to be a long-term partner. And I remember (laughs) um, at one point, Aaron got bitten by our friend's dog. I'm wearing those boxes right now, actually. Okay, good. So I can say, I can say what part of him got bitten by this dog, but um, our friend's dog bit him. This was before we were dating. And I remember he didn't actually get his important bits, but it was like inches away. And I remember like screaming, like you almost bit my future husband's dick off. And like, we haven't, we hadn't even, what? <laughs> He's showing you the. <laughs> oh my god, Aaron! Oh my god, <laughs> that's very close to some important body yeah. parts. Yeah. So I remember, like, knowing at that time, like, we weren't even dating, and I was calling him my future husband. And I think it was like I knew that once I got into it, there would be no coming back, essentially. And so my like self sabotage was just rampant. And then also my lack of self-worth was like, I don't deserve a good human being like this. And on my end of things, I don't have this real context of what's going on in her mind. So she's like, oh, you almost bit my future husband's dick off. And I'm like, yeah, well, if you would like go out with me or something, then we can make that happen maybe. But uh Yeah. So that didn't strike you as bananas. You just were like, oh, that's cute. Please date me. Well, I just figured it was like, um, oh, like I kind of like him and I'm going to be flirty, but I don't want to like get into it really. And um, yeah, it, it was annoying at times. Okay, I could see that. So when did you all finally go on like a real date? Like what was the story behind Lori? Because again, we're going to save the dysregulation for BPD dating chronicles part two. But like, tell me the story of her finally being like, okay, fine, fuck it. I'll like go to dinner with you or whatever it was like. Like, tell me that. Do you want to or do you want me to want to? Uh, up to you. I, I 
go you can do it because i'll tell my side of the story on dating chronicles okay so we had i hadn't asked Lori out yet at this point um at any point and we had just finished our last exam um of university not just that semester but we were done done and i had told myself okay i'm gonna ask her out after our final exam because i don't want to like stress her out by asking her out before the final exam um so we're at brown's i guess you don't have brown's but it's a restaurant and i'm thinking like yeah i'll ask her to on an actual date rather than just like us having dinner hanging out and i'm like oh like what are you doing on saturday and she's like oh i've got a tinder date and i was like great so i didn't ask her out then and then maybe a week later or something she was at my place and we were probably playing Catan. And just as she was leaving, I asked her if she wanted to go out and have an actual date at some point. And then she clammed up, got really, really awkward, said like, uh, 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 sure. And then left. So, and then I texted her and I said like, if you're not into it, that's cool. Like you don't, we don't have to go on a date. And she's like, yeah, I think maybe we shouldn't. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I went to Thailand for two weeks. Okay, pause. And we'll come back to that. Did that hurt you? Like, did that bother you when you were rejected by her in that moment? I mean, yes. I think it was, wasn't as big of a blow as if she had just said no straight away. But I mean, it sucked when this girl that you like says that she doesn't want to go on a date with you with like no context as to why it's a no really in my mind we're clicking we're hanging out all the time she's making all these future husband jokes we're snuggling on the couch while watching a movie kind of thing and then it was a no so I was like okay I guess she was just kind of like that's so confusing yeah and like I came to your family's like Easter dinner or brunch or whatever the week before that and we were cuddling on the couch every time we watched a movie and we hung out like five days a week. Like you were my boyfriend already, but like, I just wasn't okay with it being a thing essentially. Had you guys kissed? No. And Easter's a big thing at my house. I heard. So that was a big deal. Yeah. I heard that. Don't you guys do some sort of like weird Easter egg thing? Yeah. For, for all the listeners, we call it egg butching would recommend. (laughs) <laughs> I'll I'll do a little explanation so that we can get the game going. I think it's a European tradition of some sort. So you've got two hard-boiled eggs, even though hard-boiled eggs are the worst kind of egg. Uh, and you've colored them all because it's Easter, of course. And then one person holds their egg in their hand with the sharp side up. The other person holds the other egg with the sharp side down. And the sharp side down hits the sharp side up. And then you repeat, repeat with the flat end. And then you see whose egg was stronger. It sounds really dumb said like that, but it's a lot of fun. It's just like weird air egg fucking. Yes, but with my family. So, so not so much. Okay. So Lori goes to the egg fucking festival and then y'all cuddle, canoodle, whatever. She, she says, yes, I'll go on a date with you. And then she says, no. How do you guys get here? 
Well, I think that when I said no, so I said yes. And then I literally, no, sorry. Did I say, I said yes. And then I literally ran away from your house. If I remember correctly, I like booked it up the hill to my car and left like no explanation. Pretty close to. Yeah. And then I got home and then he texted me and then I was like, yes. I mean, no, I mean, maybe, I mean, no. And then it was just like, I was clearly spiraling at this point. And then I think I did give you an explanation of like, I don't think you deserve me. Like I'm, or no, sorry. (laughs) No, the other way around. (laughs) I am a fucking goddess and you don't deserve me. No, Um, you don't, I don't deserve you. Like you're such a good person. Like I'm super messed up. Like I'm going to make your life miserable. You're going to regret going out with me. Blah, 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 blah. blah. All those like negative self self worth pieces, like just were like ah, crazy in my head. And then Aaron went to Thailand for three weeks. Did you have like withdrawals, like serotonin withdrawals? If you are hanging out with this guy five days a week, cuddling, there's this emotional attachment growing and then he just dips to another country and like. What was really interesting was that the reason that I knew that I wanted to date him. I mean, I already knew, but like the thing that solidified it was at that time I had been like on Tinder all the time. And he went away for three weeks and I had zero interest in having sex with anybody. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like, maybe I like this guy. Um, So I don't know if it was like a withdrawal thing, but it was, it was just like a recognition that like, I guess this is in my head, even when he's not here kind of thing. And, um, then it was, I guess it was May long weekend actually. And we went to my friend's cabin and these are like my best friends ever. And like, they've been with me through like thick and thin and we were sitting around the fire and they were basically just like, Lori, you are giving up the most important thing in your life. Like do not let yourself screw this up. Aaron is like an absolute amazing human. Cause they, he hung out with us all the time too. We'd play Catan all the time. And um, they were just like, you're going to regret this. Like, don't let yourself sabotage yourself here. He's like the greatest thing that could ever happen to you, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then I, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't super happy about that conversation because to me, I was like, I'm finally in a place where I feel regulated and I don't want to get into a relationship where I'm not going to feel regulated anymore. And that was like my number one issue. And so finally my friends basically like yelled at me enough <laughs> that honor and there's no cell phone service I should say at this cabin and so it was actually kind of nice because it was like a four or five day like no cell phone service no internet no nothing break and then on the drive home I guess I think Aaron was on his way home from Thailand maybe and I texted him and I was like hey is that date still on the table and then he said like yeah and I was like okay cool did I say that right Aaron I think so I think so yeah yeah so, I mean, it took a long time for me to be able to get to that point, And I regret every minute. No. Uh, and, like, I'm so glad that I put myself in that, like, vulnerability state because I absolutely love and adore Aaron. Had I sabotaged that, I don't know where I'd be. Like, and I, and I don't – Aaron is not the end-all be-all of my life. And, like, I think that that is a difference and that is a healing for me, like – before whoever I was dating was like the number one most important thing in the universe. And like, that's all that I cared about. And like, obviously I care about him a lot, but like, I'm not obsessed with him. If that makes sense, which is the difference for me. Aaron, don't worry. I'm obsessed with you. 
Yeah, that that is a really important distinction, right? Because I mean, I can't speak for the partners of borderline people, but I can imagine being a partner of someone who makes their entire world revolve around you. It's really overwhelming to feel like if you step out of line or if you do something that isn't consistent with those thoughts, like it's this, it's the walking on eggshells kind of feeling, right? And once we get to a place in our recovery where we can realize there's life outside of these partnerships, the partnerships are actually so much stronger. And it seems like to me, that's like exactly what you guys have. Do you find Aaron or did you find that at the beginning of our relationship, that's when you started seeing the BPD symptoms or did they not become like super prevalent until later? To be honest, I've never really thought about it. Um, I don't go through our life saying like Lori's upset she must be it must be because of the BPD kind of thing I don't like point out mentally to myself things that are specifically like from BPD um so I don't think I noticed that it went up or down or anything like that yeah I guess to you I'm just me So, like, you don't know what I'm like without BPD. You don't. So, like, why would you be, like, pointing out symptoms? And I think that that's an important thing to think about, too, because I know Sarah, for example, and I know millions of other people who have BPD are constantly paranoid that their romantic partners are going to be constantly judging them based on the diagnostic criteria. And, like, I know that sometimes Aaron gets annoyed with my emotional reactions to things that don't deserve that level of emotional reaction, Um, but he's not sitting there going like, Oh, there's another symptom. Oh, there's another symptom. And like, in that sense, I think we're on like an even playing field in terms of just like, this is who she is as a person. And like, we can work with that. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I've been thinking a lot about this. Obviously we host this podcast, so it's such a significant part of our lives to think about like planning new episodes and, super feelers and all of these things. But sometimes I think I think about myself through the borderline perspective so much more than it is actually apparent to other people because of that. Like Aaron said, like I was, it was just Lori. I wasn't like thinking, Oh, there's another symptom. There's another symptom. And we were just recording about identities, right? Like it can be really helpful to think about ourselves in terms of this identity so that we can understand symptoms when they pop up. But then also once you start to think about yourself as just a person having a symptom and you realize other people aren't thinking about you that way, it can be really confusing or discombobulating. I'm struggling with that personally right now. Yeah, I think we're like taught that we're like we're demonized by the the society at large and we're demonized by the media and we're demonized by psychiatrists. And and so we just kind of like assume that that's the level of stigma that's out there in everybody and not everybody cares at the end of the day. And just to just to clarify on that, when I say, you know, I'm not looking for symptoms or recognizing like that's a symptom and pointing that out to myself doesn't mean that I'm unaware of borderline personality disorder at this point. 
because I think, you know, knowing about BPD rather than ignoring BPD is helpful in understanding or trying to understand what Lori's thinking, what Lori's going through and what she's feeling. And without that, I mean, we'd probably have a lot more arguments. Yeah, that's super true. Like, thanks for clarifying that because it's not that you're ignoring it. It's just that you're not like concerned about labeling it essentially, right? You're just like, okay, well, this is, this is a more extreme emotional reaction than like a person without mental health issues would have, but that's okay. We can deal with it as opposed to like, therefore they're not okay and they're sick and they need me to help them. It's like a, it's more of like a partnership thing, I think. Yeah. And I think there's also a difference between, between recognizing that the extreme emotion and dealing with it as such, rather than thinking, well, she's just feeling extreme emotion because of BPD. So it's no big deal. I can just ignore it. That's super, super interesting, actually. Yeah. Like you, you do a good job of validating my emotions, which is super important, obviously to people with BPD, even when I know that you're like, why is this <laughs> as big of a deal as it is? <laughs> right. And like, and that's fine. Cause of course it's not that big of a deal to you. Cause it, that you, you don't have this, what, what they call like a third degree burn of emotion where everything is like significantly more distressing than, than it would be to kind of like the average person. Right. I can illustrate by example, if that's helpful. Sure. Are, are we allowed using examples? Yeah, we, we're allowed to do whatever the hell we want. Yeah, okay, we so literally do that all the time. Um, so there was one situation in which I was really frustrated with Lori. We live maybe like four towns away from my parents. And at the time, my friends and I would all meet up at my parents' place because they live closer to them. And, you know, we'd play board games, play Dungeons and Dragons sometimes. And at some point I had driven out and I was running a bit late and I just kind of showed up there, started playing with them. And I wasn't checking my phone because I was hanging out with my friends. And, uh, you know, when someone's visibly upset over text message, um, (laughs) it was... You mean like they're passive aggressive as fuck? Yeah. And then at like 8 p.m. it's like a fine good night kind of thing. Um, So that was the situation. And I wasn't really looking at my phone at all. And then I looked at my phone and I see these messages where um, Lori's clearly gone from slightly concerned to, to upset. And the whole drive home or most of the drive home, I was really frustrated because to me, my emotional response would not be to be upset. I would just figure that, you know, probably busy with his friends doing something. So her being mad at me was frustrating for me because to me, that's an illogical emotional response to the situation. Um, But then on the drive home, I kind of tried to put myself in her shoes. So to me, it's if I were in her situation, I would see it as 
he's probably just hanging out with his friends, not a big deal. And when I put myself in her shoes, I, and what she's feeling, I try to think like, okay, take what I'm thinking. He's probably with his friends, but then kind of escalate that a little bit to understand how she's feeling. So, but what if she's, or what if he's not with his friends? What if he did get into an accident? And then the emotional implications that that has and that's the kind of fear that she's feeling so then when I finally text back then to her that's a little more of a of a frustrating thing than it would be for me um so I think trying to understand what Lori's feeling and what her thought processes are in having those feelings is helpful to not just be dismissive all the time of, well, Lori's being unreasonable or Lori's overreacting because I try to understand what she's seeing in her mind. Yeah. And I do think that you're very good at that. Um, and I know that it gets incredibly frustrating, like, especially when I'm angry because when I'm angry, I just like ruminate like crazy. And like, I cannot get out of this like spiral. And I, and I know for you, you're just like, we've had this conversation and I'm thinking of an example, but I don't think we should get into the example um, here, but um, where, where you're just like, yeah, I'm angry too, but I don't need to like say that I'm never going to talk to that person ever again, or like that I hate them. And I just like, can't stop saying that I hate them and blah, 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 blah. blah. And like, you're just like, yeah, I'm really, really angry about it. But like, that's it. You know, it's just like the different level and you're, you're cool with just being like, I don't like the way that you're talking about other people right now, but I, I hear that your emotions are valid. I just don't like how you're reacting to it essentially, which I think is fair. Yeah. I think like I'm, I can imagine being an, outsider looking in outside of this isn't your symptomatic experience in the world and watching someone be like you know I don't know fuck that bitch I fucking hate her like if they I I don't know what is an example like forget to call us back or something I when it doesn't fit this situation, right? I could imagine how a partner or a friend could look and be like, what is going on? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Obviously, you're upset, but how did you get from upset to, I'm going to write this person off. We're never going to speak again. They're completely X'd out of my life. Like, that is, that's a hard, Tori and I had a hard time with that. Because I really did like cut some people off that probably didn't deserve it when early on in our relationship out of anger. And Tori was just like, what is going on? I don't understand. Yeah, I think it's a strange thing for someone on the outside looking into BPD because I've never felt emotion as strongly as Lori does. And even if I try to picture sometimes, and I think I know what example Lori's talking about, but 
if I was upset by the situation too. And then I try to think like, okay, well, what if I was double upset, triple upset? I felt this frustration, this anger more than I do now. But if you've never really been there, you can only you can only imagine it so much, right? So to me, it still seems like a like a scary jump in in response to to a situation. I think that's a good reminder that word scary it's normal for me to be like fuck I fucking hate that person now but for an outsider looking in that would be really scary or fear inducing because like those are aggressive words well and I don't know Aaron I don't want to put this on you but like I would assume that if I were in that situation, I would be like, Oh my God, what if that happens to me? Like, what if, what if that anger turns towards me and then that's it? Cause I like, I can cut people out more than I want to. Yeah. I like never really thought about it until Sarah, you were just saying that about anger, but um, I, I don't think that that was my immediate thought or response, but I can see how that would be a concern for sure because if you're so quickly dismissive of a relationship that that you've had for a while then what's to say that you wouldn't be able to be so dismissive about our relationship at some point but I also think there's something to be said for just recognizing that you don't feel like this all the time. This isn't a permanent state of emotion. Um, You're just saying things kind of impulsively based on how you're feeling in this second. Um, And that, that shouldn't dictate actions necessarily. And um, I guess in a situation like this, it's, I think Lori, I don't know about you, Sarah, but Lori has a good, um, good group of supportive people around her. So in the case that she's referring to, I could say like, yeah, I'm frustrated too. Um, but you know, like let's, let's take a day, let's take two days before sending that test text message, making that call. Um, and then see how we feel about later. And if Lori were ever mad at me like that, she would be telling her friends who, um, who are supportive, but would kind of have the same approach to things. Yeah. And I I remember telling my counselor one time um, (laughs) that like, Oh, it's okay. Aaron won't let me break up with him. And like, not in like an abusive way. And I had to like very clearly say that, like, if I was very adamant that I needed to leave, I could leave. Like, that's not the issue. But Aaron knows full well that if I'm like trying to break up with him, that like, okay, just give it 24 hours and I'm back to normal. And I think like Sarah, you, Sarah has been experiencing this a lot. And like, it's freaking, anno- <laughs> it's freaking annoying to like hear somebody say, like, just give it till tomorrow morning. It'll be better tomorrow morning. And it, almost always is. Right. And like, I think it's the same with suicidality too. Right. 
I always say like, oh, like, what are, what are you going to do for lunch tomorrow? Because if you can get to lunch tomorrow, you're probably going to be fine, right? Like that's an oversimplification, but a lot of the time that's the case, right? So I think Aaron and my friends are pretty good about knowing that I just have to ride out the wave. And then when I ride out the wave, it'll be okay. But anger is for sure the hardest one for Aaron and I to, for like hundred percent, because he's just not like a very angry person. And I ruminate really hard. Yeah. I really like that Aaron has the ability to recognize that, okay, take Lori outside of this moment and this situation, and this isn't actually the reality. And I think that that was one of the things that Tori and I got stuck in a lot was, for example, I, because we rapidly cycle so quickly, Tori struggled to keep up with it, which is fucking fair man and it wasn't her responsibility right of course but when you're in a partnership with someone you get thrown in so think what you want about that sense of responsibility but um I would be like okay I'm suicidal I want to die and then 20 minutes later I would be like okay I'm good we're back to real life like let's keep on moving and Tori would just be like what? Like I'm in the trauma of you wanting to die 20 minutes ago what do you mean let's go get coffee and go get let's go to the farmer's market. Like, and I'm like, well, listen, I've been doing this since I was five years old. My first conscious thought was about wanting to die. Like keep up bitch. (laughs) Like, and so that was a really hard thing for us. And I, I don't think, I don't think we ever figured out any systems for how to navigate it, but Aaron, I'm interested to hear your thoughts of like, how do you keep up with the cycling? And, and perhaps Lori doesn't cycle nearly as much as I do. I don't know. Um, before we get into kind of cycling of mental states, for people who are involved in or in romantic relationships with people with BPD, I mean, nobody's perfect. And the stories that we've kind of told, it very much seems like I'm like, poof. I know what to do. We're all going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. Um, But that's just not truthful. Like people without BPD are also entitled to emotions and frustration. And it can be incredibly frustrating when you just don't understand why someone's upset or you can't understand the extent as to why they're upset um and that does often happen where if Lori's reacting in a certain way to something it's frustrating for me and I get a little bit upset because to me it's unreasonable um or an exaggeration as to how someone should feel uh, in my own I guess like view of how people should feel based on how I feel about things Um, So I don't get frustrated at things happening so much as her being frustrated at things happening. So just because you feel that way doesn't mean that you're a bad partner. But you still have to be able to kind of not get over it, but kind of take a step back and think at that point, okay, well, why why is someone feeling this way? Um, So it's not... It's not a thing that isn't without challenges and without your own 
emotion and just because like don't dismiss yourself from a relationship because you're thinking like well I don't know what to do right in this second because no one knows what to do right in this second and you know you have to think about things and talk things out and Aaron and I have been together for four years essentially and we've lived together for like three and a half of them so and we were friends for a year before that so him and I have had a lot of time to learn how to deal with my emotions or his lack of emotions depending on how you look at it but um I mean it for sure gets a lot easier I mean we don't I can't really think of an example recently other than that one that was a year ago, a year and a half ago that like this was a huge problem because he's very, very good at being able to be supportive and does the work to try and validate the emotions or no, he does the work to try and understand the emotions, but if he can't understand the emotions, he still validates them. And so I'll never feel like my emotions are, not valid because he understands that I don't have control over what my emotions are, but I have control over my reactions to them essentially. I think that's a very good way of putting it in that you have control over your reaction to the emotions. Okay, Aaron. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the part one episode. And I really think that part two will be great because we'll be able to dive into some more pieces We will be doing a part three where we have listener questions. So if you do have any questions, please send them our way. And then we will record part three once we have a number of questions in. Erin, I love you and you're my favorite. And I can't wait to record part two with you. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bold, Beautiful, Borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey. And we can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about borderline, and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page. The links to that are included in the show notes. So check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you and we'll see you next time.